Yo, entrepreneurs! thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this week's episode of The Grind, we give you the lowdown on why we turn down venture capital investment. We discuss the power of pitch in a story, not a solution, and the framework we've designed for building our business, and also whether Nish came back more enlightened after his trip to Japan. Yes, people, we are back. It's been a minute since we've blessed these mics. We've been taking a minute and making sights. Oh. Ah, oh, come on. You left me hanging. I'm a little bit hype. A little bit hype, a little bit gassed. A little gassed. There we go. Hype into. Um, uh, yeah, we're here and I'm, I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right. That's good. Back That's on the good. mics. There we go. Use the this the same word a few times. Oh, do we? Happy with it, Matt? Does that does that live up to the what the rhyme? Yeah, does the lyricism ah, live up well, to what you was expecting? As someone, I feel like I caught you it? guys a little bit short. I'm not gonna lie, no. but you know. Do, do you know where we why we've been away? We've been away because Nish has been in Japan, mate. Three weeks. Three weeks. How was it, dude? It was so amazing. I don't even know where to start on it. I told you, Nish. If, yeah, like our. Uh, Okay, so I think Japan just in and of itself as a country and with these amazing, beautiful people is one thing. But then then there's there's an element of just like having this moment where you're by yourself on top of a fucking mountain in a place called Koyasan, a thousand meters up in a mountain, living in a Buddhist monastery. And all you have is nature Mm. around you and you're getting fed. Like it's just... Have you come back more Jay Shetty? That's all I want to know. I mean, I wish I had the eyes of Jay Shetty. Uh, I have the mind and cut, I'd say, yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't shave your hair though. I thought you might have got this you know rid of the quiff. I thought maybe you would have come back what? with a ball, like a real, that like, would have been amazing. If there was back. anything that was going to get this shorter, I would have thought he would have been hit in a monastery. Yeah. But. Are they all full, fully bald? Are they fully? Yeah, fully yeah. bald. Is there a reason? Do you know why they're all bald? Is there? No, a- I actually don't. That's actually a really good question. I actually don't know why. Don't know. The, the lights shine off the head a lot. <laughs> I think it's just because they, I think because they got to get up so early, they don't want to have to do their hair because Nish takes a little while to do their hair. So it's I minimalism, think. isn't it? It's minimalism, like you can't yeah. have any yeah. that five any start. stuff to deal with. That's five a five a.m. prayer. Five a.m. in the morning had to get down for morning prayers. Did you go for one of the little tea, uh, little tea ceremonies? Yeah, I went to uh, yeah. Oh, what the uh, geisha stuff? Um, I don't know if it's specifically in, geisha. Uh, just a like traditional oh, Japanese tea um, ceremony yeah, where they boil it. So I stayed in a couple of um, Rurikans and stuff where you have some of that. Yeah, right? so I love that. that. And that, it was really That's nice. a vibe. Yeah. And those are like, you know, I kind of went into that whole journey. And I, and I think this is the other thing as well. I went into this into that whole trip, not really like planning it all that much. Um, so I, I think the best way of putting it was I lived kind of like I kind of went about it just on a day by day basis. I literally landed in Tokyo, spent four days in Tokyo and then just decided what I was going to do and where I was going to go. So um, I didn't put too much pressure on myself to feel like I had to go and do anything. So living somewhat maybe as you might want to call it like presently where you were just like maybe you just have a defined goal in that day. I'm going to do this and then achieving that and getting somewhere then appreciating stuff in and around you without any kind of expectation was probably the one thing that I really want to take away and build more into my life. And the, 
And the opposite to that, it was every time I had stuff where I was going to and I had an expectation on it, like going to Kyoto and you go to the Bamboo Valley, you do all that amazing stuff. So it doesn't like it never lives up to expectation, right? Because yeah. you see these amazing photos, but in reality, it never does it justice. What's the uh, thing that struck you the most about Japan? I think the absolute love for the environment and nature. Like nature is so yeah. core in Japan, which is why, which starts to give you a real understanding of why the people are the way they are in that there's no litter anywhere. There's no bins anywhere because, you know, it's just clean. Yeah. Like, you know, if you go to like a mini mart around the corner, you'll just grab something and then walk and eat. But in Japan, if you buy something from there, you stand outside the shop and you eat it. Mm. Like, um, somebody said this to me actually, which was like, nobody does two things at once. Like they're fully focused on one task and one task at a time. It's amazing. Very present. That's definitely the the Buddhist side. Yeah, exactly. What what struck me the most, other than the kind of beautiful minimalism side, which I've really connected with, was just the efficiency of everything. Is you've never seen anything that's just a society that is so efficient in how it does its stuff. Whether that's getting on a train, queuing. Like you can go anywhere in the country, right? And as a tourist, yeah, if you've got a big suitcase, you can go anywhere in Japan and they will deliver guaranteed your suitcase for you through the service, which is like less than a tenner, I think, anywhere in the country the next day, wherever you are. You can travel the whole width of the country. That's great. The length of the country and let someone else deal with your suitcase and it will turn up. Mm. the next day yeah. without fail yeah. there were so many people that were doing that in the travel you know Mate, so it's, many it's incredible that just doing that. but the just efficiency is unbelievable of everything and you know what and i think that's one thing as well everyone that i spoke to especially matt who gave me like like who literally said niche when you come back you will want to go again and i was yeah. just like really but no like i genuinely want to go back again and that's why obviously matt you're going again next I'm year i'm going again you've been twice already in a matter of what like three years i want i'm going again it's, it's, but, yeah. it's, it's yeah it's it's it, it was amazing so, so we've, we've clocked up some miles then between us because we've done you've done japan we've done berlin and back for, a, for our, you did for goa our, i did goa goa i did well i've done 12 countries this year carbon footprints looking mad this year yeah. can't lie yeah but berlin was our first conference as reboxed yeah, which was when I was in Japan. Yeah, so we did mm-hmm. that, which was interesting, wasn't Marketplace it? Marketplace day was amazing. Got food poisoning. Shout yeah. out to the conference. <laughs> yeah, but that we did poisoned a few people. Other than that, the content was <laughs> was good. Other than the, the other than the uh, goulash, which uh, was not great um, for us. Gave me stomach whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> but the Mad. actual conference was really interesting, wasn't it? We we saw talks from um, StockX, from Depop. Um, really big marketplaces going through their journey um, and what they've got to. And, you know, you start to see like people like Depop actually like 11 years old or something, 12 years old. They've been around for not not even a startup. You think they were startups because you just heard about them. I don't like conferences. Phil makes me go to them. But actually this one was probably one of the best ones we've been to just because it was like a bit more small, intimate, good people there. And just a bit bit like laser focus of the conference was pretty good. So yeah, there's just some good stuff, man. What did you come back from that conference getting learning introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com website creation is hard but now with bluehost you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique wordpress website or store right away from there you can customize your design colors and content and bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like google and bing from step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... 
We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Well, the, I think the, no lie. Yeah. I think, Apart from that. Well, one of the main things, I thought the, the, the kickoff talk, which was like the state of play of marketplaces was really interesting because, you know, we're going into a marketplace business. We've not done that before. And the guy kind of opened up was like, yeah, this is the, the first year in a long time that marketplaces are on the down. And we were like, oh, this is great. This is a, which is the first year we're coming in. And it's the first year after like 15, 20 years that they've been really here. And that's probably because of uh, Uber and Lyft have um, IPO'd, but they've both lost 30 to 50 percent of their value and obviously we work which is the story of the year when it comes to marketplaces has whoop. so that's really which really isn't to, really a marketplace can we just add that well it's, it's for office space isn't it it's kind of a kind of not the same business but it gets put into the same category so it was interesting to see those stats but then on the other hand it was really great to see the, the kind of inspiring stories from people like StockX, who are you know a business that we we like and you know in some regard a, a similar model for, for, for different things and to see what they've been doing in, in expanding into Europe, you know, going into a new territory and take it, tackling it, um, which is interesting because they're a US-based company coming to Europe. But in terms of marketplace businesses as a whole, what I think we've seen is a bit of consolidation with the overhype and the overvalue of uh, like the Airbnbs, Lyfts, Uber. Uh, it's kind of bottomed out a little bit. And you know, that's kind of a positive and negative for everybody else. It means the same valuations aren't there on certain businesses. But, you know, there's a lot of different uh, business models emerging, like a lot of service-based marketplace businesses, which is essentially what B2B, we're going into. B2B marketplaces and SaaS. There's going to be a marketplace for everything. Yeah. Like when we were there, they're really amazing. But it is the future. It's the, f- yeah. the future of businesses right now is marketplace businesses, which is the, the interesting thing. So there's a lot of legs in the business model long term. Uh, although that we've had a bit of a dip again it's just a it's just a equilibrium I, I th- balancing out i think you'll see a really good year next year especially f- with with brands like airbnb are doing their ipo i think there'll be a really big success story that they've really nailed it across the world they're winning there's not really that much competition not like an uber and lyft who are like f- punching each other in the face is why they're losing that's just competitive landscape of marketplaces so yeah, I think it'll be a better year next year. Like Matt said, I think there's some interesting things to take from it. But the one thing that you have to do if you listen to this, and we've always done this throughout our businesses, so I think the actionable tip is go to these conferences. You know, we're meeting VCs and people there with like bigger companies, way, way, way beyond where we're at right now. But we're introducing ourselves to them, saying hello. Maybe next year we'll be back with a, you know, with a, a slot to go and talk to them properly about what we're, we're looking at doing. But you've got to go on that road really early. And we've always done this, haven't we? Throughout music, throughout marketing, we've gone to conferences where we didn't have anything other than an idea. And then three years later, four years later, you're talking at the conference. It's really good to benchmark ourselves against like different stages, like looking at what other businesses are doing and where they're at in terms of whether it's funding, revenue, growth, and also being able to look at ourselves and going, okay, well, how long have they been going for? What have they been doing? What things have they met? So just from a measuring yourself up perspective, not like that's the be all and end all, but it gives you a really clear indication of what we need to do as a business in order to be uh, where we want to be and also at what stage. So it's it's really valuable. And also the the experience of some of the other guys that are actually doing those businesses is super interesting. You've got 
businesses out there that are being really well funded or overfunded or underfunded that are either doing well or plateauing. So it's kind of good just to get a bit of real world learnings from from these things that are out in the market. So let's so let's delve into that a bit then. So like, what's your perspective now in hindsight, having been there, met people based on where Rebox is at right now? I mean, really, it just highlighted to us how early we are and obviously the journey that we've gone on through this podcast and, wh- and where we're at right now is still kind of relevant. You know, we're still very early. We're only just building our product now and hoping to launch like really early next year. So we know that we've still got a lot of things to do, one, to build the product to where it needs to get to, but also to get it to market and do the initial testing and traction. Like there's a whole bunch of things that we have to validate and test once we've built our product, which I know we threw back to this kind of early on when we're talking about our MVP, but you know, for us to complete an MVP, there's so many different working parts that we need to test and validate in order to steer the direction of our product. So we're we're going to talks and we're looking at people that have come through this and gone, well, actually, here's where we started and here's where we are now. We thought this, this and this would work, but actually when we launched, this worked and now our platform's become this. So we've got all of those things to learn. So we are really, really early, but from our point of view, it's exciting because we're now in that mix where we are building something that I can actually see the horizon. It's not a concept anymore. It's this thing is actually going to be out there and we're going to be testing it and people are going to be giving us feedback and that's super exciting. One thing I learned is that it's going to be, we've taken the right steps this year, but we're just about to go into the next phase, which is building something. Like we've been very, we've spent the last year doing our research, doing our uh, planning, you know, building decks, thinking about the strategy, putting the building blocks in place. But now we have to go away. Oh, fucking analogy. Build it and build the house. Like we've got the foundations. Now we have to build the house. And that's exciting because what we're doing at the conference is you're seeing people that have built fucking great houses or hotels. In, in analogy terms, they're big businesses, you know, millions and millions of users. And But they started off when you listen to the founder's story in one place, in one city, trying to get it working any like like what, what, we, what we're doing but it is going to be a longer I think you know I think when we maybe me and Matt first started this we were like we can get it build it real quick I think it's been longer and harder than we thought yeah and I think we've uh, made some decisions which were maybe naive but like when I think back to our 66 day challenge I, I'm sitting here now and we're way past the end of the 66 day challenge we could have got an e-com store up we should we probably should have done and so I'm looking back at this and going we should have shipped. We we could have shipped. And even going into our product now, when we're looking at the roadmap for what January, February, March looks like and what features we need in place, you know, we, we went through a moment like last week where we were like, oh, we need all of this in place. And actually I was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't look at what we didn't do. We have to ship something. So even if it's a, a bare bones, we need to get something out quick and test it. And, you know, also... Yeah, go on. Also grey out some of the features that are coming and, you know, test if people are even going to click a button. So, But we know what we like, I don't, you know, we can, we can always say we should have done this and should have done that. I think when you look back at anything, you can say, I think we're definitely right now in going, we've got to make the product and get it out. And that's the thing that's going to be the thing that we, oh, look, and we couldn't have done that if I'm completely honest. The reason why we haven't built anything and got to the point, the next stage is because we were raising money. You know, and that's that was the thing that we talked about in the podcast a few weeks ago. It was we knew that in order to build the product that we wanted to build and take it to market and test it properly, we needed to raise the first round, which we have done. So that was the biggest focus. And that took a lot of our energy over the last end of this year because the road to raising money took six months. And we and we said on a previous podcast, like the type of money we were getting was kind of friends and family, close people, angel investment. And the reason we made that 
you know, decision one, because that's the first step you really should be taking when you're raising money. But also, um, when we did our financial plan, it was like, that's, we, we worked out what we needed to, to get what we wanted to build done. And it felt like the right amount of money. And quite interestingly as well, uh, a VC came in, which was super, super interesting. And it actually derailed us for a little bit because it took our focus on. So we'd kind of basically closed the round in terms of we had commitments from all the people that uh, said they want to put the money in, which filled up the allocation. And then a VC came in and we're like, we want to come in on board in this. We like the idea. We'll follow on. We'll do the EIS. And, you know, here's the reasons why you should work with us. And they were not a traditional VC. So we, we wouldn't have really looked at a normal VC, but these guys were kind of from a brand marketing background and we kind of connected with the guys there and it felt like a different proposition. So we explored it and we looked at it and, you know, obviously it's super exciting. You're like, oh, wow, VC comes in, a bit of a validation, bit of a closing the feedback loop of, yeah, this is a good product. But ultimately when it came down to the, to the terms, it just wasn't the right decision. So we actually turned it down and I, I didn't expect for us to be in that position really. So tell me about how you got to that decision of deciding to turn it down. <laughs> the term sheet. <laughs> well, yeah, I think. It, <laughs> yeah, just that. Yeah, we had all our term sheets built. Um, we had everything ready to go. And then when you take a VC money, generally, they will make you uh, sign their term sheets, which also means all of the, the other investors would sign on to their terms. And look, at this, at this, if I'm completely honest, me and Matt, we are a little bit rebellious. We're a little bit like we do our things our way and we wanted to spend the six months building this product how we wanted to build it and not have somebody telling us what to do as much because you want to be a little bit free and creative yeah. around what we're doing. And look, and it's expensive money. Ultimately, you that, take, yeah, I was going to say. The main thing Can was you explain that? expensive money mean? means that when you get money from a VC, they will take some of that money back in fees, in management fees. And they also like you have to, you know, for, for most VCs will sit on your board. You have somebody to sit on your board, which means the decisions of the board will go through them. And even any big money spend, even up to like, you know, 20 grand, you have to ask them. So there was a... We, we were looking at that for the, the amount of money that they would have given us say for example it was the whole round of 150k and that was obviously we were never going to push out existing investors so that was one criteria which was like how do we fit that in around the other investors which was really difficult to do because there's like people that we really value and we want their input into the business so you can't really piss off your existing investors there were some people that were a bit more flexible that were either a little bit in or maybe a little bit out so there was room to maneuver they wanted a certain amount of the round which ultimately wasn't possible but when we looked at the money side of stuff and we looked at 150k you could potentially lose like you know 15k of your of your round can go into their fees and stuff and when we're building a cash flow for our product of what we need like 15k is a lot of money yeah, it's 10 percent of the whole round yeah it's, it's a lot of cash and just some of the terms and again and also the people around us advised it was better to look at other options you know and that we have to listen to the people around the table because they have been our yeah, when we talk about angels, they're also mentors and guides and people that have been there with more experience than us. So it was a team decision and I think the right decision right now. Not saying in the future we won't look at it, but if you listen to our strategy in episode 14, we said we're not going to take VC money. Yeah. And we stuck to our belief, we stuck to our values, and we stuck to our guns. And I feel more empowered having done that because it's very hard to turn down money when you need money. But we yeah. did the right thing. Yeah, it's very hard. It's very and, hard. and I think that in this case as well, and why it derailed us a little bit, because it could have almost been a really good fit in terms of like, if it wasn't a bit late, if there's a bit more time and we could have negotiated on a few bits, I think that it would have had, uh, it would have had its upside. But 
we just couldn't we couldn't risk going through that and, and taking our eye off the ball. One last thing to close us off. Dating is the same. Sometimes you can meet the right person at the wrong time. It's just the wrong time at the moment. It might not be the wrong time in six months when we go back and out go and see the guys. But look, dating is dating. We talked about this before. You have to kiss a lot of frogs, go and see people. You meet some people you like, don't like. But timing is everything in life. And right now the time wasn't right, but the time will be right at some point. But also every situation is different, right? So you, in your situation, it made sense not to do it. So for anyone who is maybe that, that ends up being an option on the table. Could be the right one. Could yeah. be the right so, one. I mean, yeah. certainly if you haven't got like, uh, like what Phil and I have got, which is like a network of people who are ultimately, uh, this is probably the biggest learning actually that we've glazed over is people aren't necessarily, from all the money we've raised, people are actually investing in us, not the business. So all this time we've spent doing business models and things. Yes, you have to have those things. But there's been a couple of people in our round that are like, guys, I don't need to see your financials. I'm investing in you guys because I know you guys are going to do it. And obviously we've beat ourselves up a lot and like focused a lot on the business and really tried to make that work, which is probably a comfort blanket and a testament to our, well, comfort blanket to our investors, but also a testament to the types of people we are as entrepreneurs. That gives people comfort, but ultimately people are investing in us. So there was like not as much pressure as we probably thought, but we're trying to build a like a proper good business here. So that's why we've done these things. But the interesting thing that I've learned from all of this having a deck, spending hours and hours doing 20, 30, 40, 50 versions of an investment deck, the thing that I've found the most impactful from this whole thing was the ability to tell someone a story that framed them in our product journey. And every time we've delivered that to an investor, people have gone, I get why this needs to exist. So explain that a little bit more. So instead of going through a deck saying, here's the pitch, you know, this this is the landscape, here's the problem that we're trying to solve. The thing that we've consistently done, which had the most impact, is being able to sit around the table with someone and say, how much tech do you have in your drawer? How much is your tech worth? How much is your tech worth? How much is your phone worth right now? Nobody knows. And framing framing the person we're pitching to as a character in the story of what our product delivers from a value and an ease perspective has been the thing that has been the light bulb moment in every person that's thought this was a great idea. And that's partly because we were raising money off the back of our story. Yeah, yeah that, well, a, it's a story that's sorry, authentic to us. Because and some people might have a product and they'll raise money off the back of, oh, this product looks great and feels great and I can see it's got some traction. We had to do it a different way around. And like we said- But what previous, I would say yeah. about that is if you have a product and yeah. you have created a product, yeah. the number one way to sell that product is, is being able to create a story that people can buy into and see them as the, the hero or the archetype or the, the lead character in that story. And again, we come back to this thing, which is marketing, which is just all about storytelling, right? And it's whether you're a product, a business or a service, it's a story. People buy stories. People don't buy anything other than a friggin' story. Absolutely. Um, It was interesting because, and I think the story thing's really interesting because people buy, have got, people have hooked onto different parts of the story. So there's been people we told told about e-waste and the fact that this is a business that wants to tackle climate change and we're doing this by rehoming 100 million devices. And that's what they've hooked onto. There's other people who've gone, yeah, I really want to get a, a secondhand refurbished tech in a new box for my, for my kid. Yeah. I'll do that. Or like, I don't really sell weird. my phone because it, yeah, yeah. I don't get enough money I've for it. I've got seven phones in my yeah. thing. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, so it's really interesting because actually what you find is you tell the story more and more, like any story. Yeah. People will hook and believe different parts of it and get in, inspired by different parts of it. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's really interesting that that's what it come down to at the end it's of it. It's just the story. And we've worked really hard on numbers, I think mainly because of us, because we wanted to have a fundamentally strong business case. But like you said, Matt, you know, sometimes people would invest literally on the back of a, someone drawing out a, an idea. And I'd love to see how many businesses, and maybe this is a question for our friends at Sea Legal, how many, how many businesses have raised money off like just a plan versus how many people had a product? I don't know what the split would be. Yeah be interesting to and see what percentage of them had a good story <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i think also the most important thing to take from that is the time like uh, this time right now it didn't make sense to take the vc money by the sounds of it but maybe in the future the oh absolutely i mean when you when so it comes to your scaling capital like hopefully we won't actually need it and maybe there will be a happy medium which yeah. where we kind of think well like, we've got to with those guys but you know unless you really need a lot of capital then it's not going to make sense but essentially it's a uh, it's an expensive. Do you know what loan. I love about this conversation right now? And um, I, I don't know why I'm getting thrown into one of the old eps that we did where Phil said something, which was, guys, maybe, and it was one, of, it, it, it was that episode where I think we were all a bit down and depressed. We had a bit of a tough week and Phil said, hey, listen, we need to celebrate the fucking moments. Like if you think about it. Yeah. It's a fucking big moment, guys. Isn't oh it? man, it's you a just big. Just raised money, and it, now you're able to start building. We 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 scoot over things so easily sometimes. <laughs> In, like literally, like I look back at like the last six months, quickly like last year, and go six months ago we didn't we we really registered the business in July. We only come up with the idea in like August, and then we changed it again in September whenever we went away. If you look at the timeline, it's six months. It's been quick. You know, most people take that time. Takes six months to raise, which it has done. That's the other thing I'd I'd learned the lesson. It does take six takes longer than you think. But to get from where we've got to, I'm really, really, really happy. I'm really excited about going into 2020 with a clear vision of what we want to execute and being able to go from an idea now, what we are, a concept that we talked about. It's not an idea anymore. Like Matt is building product, and I will be doing partnerships and doing stuff that we're going to do. So what is what's the approach now? What how we execute it. Now we've got some money. What are we actually, you know, we had a plan of the money and what we wanted to do with it, but now it's how do we deliver it. This was something that you were talking about the other day. These are essentially the P's. These are the startup P's, not yeah, the, yeah. the marketing with attitude P's, but these, you know, that's yeah. essentially going to be yeah. an approach that you're going to go through yeah. this year, right? I guess that's what you're saying. It's an approach, a little framework for us now to start delivering in, which is, um, can help us map out the next phase. So we've got four P's. Five. Five P's. Five P's, which is the uh, the product, the platform. We've got process. We've got people and partners. Uh, we've got uh, promotion, which is the marketing and how we're going to promote it. And then that's the fifth. That's the fifth. So we broke the, the kind of business plan, if you want, from what we've designed as a strategy into now this kind of actionable areas. And then we have to start looking at who's going to work on those areas. So we can't all work on the same thing. Matt's obviously going to do his bit in the product. Um, you know, we're going to work on the promotion bit together. I'll probably take a bit of the people in partnership and there'll be areas where we have to bring other people in, especially process, which is one thing that we've been looking Huge, yeah. really heavily at in this business because this is a process driven business and, and, you know, we have the front end tech stack, but we also have all the and when we say logistics. process, we're talking about operations, yeah. like what, what, what are the cogs, what are the moving components that need to be put in place in order to make this thing work? We're going to have a nice fancy product and we're going to be able to acquire a load of customers, but stuff needs to happen underneath the surface of that water in order to make you know money. So it's almost the biggest, it's not a hole because we're, we're filling it and it's something there, but it's the, one of the biggest parts of the business. It's like three big things that need to work together. And we've got to execute in these areas. So now it's not like tangibly, like here's an idea. These are core things that we have to execute in execute on over the next 
six months. Um, and the last, the last one probably is, you know, we're going to be then looking again early next year on what the next stages are for the business post building it. Like we're going to have to look at the raise again. And it's a th one thing that I've definitely learned and everyone said to me is that you are constantly kind of funding the business at a startup level. Cause this is the, we know it's, uh, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be like, we'll be able to, I think on this podcast, definitely look more tangibly at building a product, putting processes in place. It might be a little bit less more like about the idea and raising money. And it's going to be more hands-on, um, on the nitty gritty of building a business and a brand, which I think will be more interesting. And also I think what we'll be, we, we, we will be doing is talking more about the market in the promotion side, because that's our, our background. It'll be something that we'll be, you know, highlighting as we go through and, and bringing some of that stuff to life in a way that you, we can talk about the creative process that goes on behind the scenes and then showcasing it in a real form. Do you have an idea as to when that kind of MVP is gonna happen? We're going to have something, uh, a version of what we're doing in January, and then it will iterate a couple of times over a few different phases. And we'll probably start very localized, so mainly just focus on, again, friends and family, but you know, your own inner network testing the product, giving you some feedback before we go Nish live. Nish needs a new phone. His battery went from 100% to 1% in three hours this morning. So Nish will be customer number two. We've actually had our first customer. Who? Campbell, we got him a, our, our lawyer. We got him a, a, a nice refurb secondhand rose gold phone, which he wanted, which then he decided he that he, <laughs> he didn't, didn't want, it. want He didn't want a rose gold phone, but we got him one, um, <laughs> uh, which worked perfectly, may I say. But no, it's going to be really great. And, and I'm really excited that we got to this point. We should celebrate you are right, Nish. It is the, coming to the end of the man. year. It has <laughs> been our, our first year of podcast, our first six months of documenting the journey. And like you said, this could be the first chapter in many a chapter of the reboxed the road to reboxed so now we're on the road now on the road driving yeah we got out the, we got the car car's been built can i of. can i just uh no more analogies. can i <laughs> just switch to our new soundboard yeah, what was that like a kid's yeah kindergarten class a children's yay <laughs> is actually yay. what it's called um and then see. what is uh what is also interesting we have our first live podcast that we just promote because it will be in line with the fact that it's going to be on the Wednesday, if it comes out in time. So we're gonna do our first live podcast at the end of the year, which will be something that hopefully, if you are a listener and you are a fan and you tune in and you wanna to, want to come to, that will be able to, to get you down to in London. Um, but we'll do the first one. We're Man United out here, we're still coming back. We're, we're, just, we're just learning and we're just getting better. Rashford's over here. I kind of feel like we're Danny Ings at the moment. Danny just, Ings is such just every game. all cylinders right now. Keeping Saints in the, in the mix. Like just hammering out these podcasts since I've come back from Japan. Yeah, gonna get this up before the live. So look, I'm are, not doing football now. I've, uh, I've, I've had enough. Let's not talk about Derby. Oh, it was a tough time. For Mel, Mel's Mel. We're waiting for Mel to get that little external investment into into Derby. It's coming. Well, maybe this it's weekend. About to drop. Get it. I've been seeing the uh, the shuffling of things on Company's house. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, been doing the been doing the BDI work backstage. Oh, wow, something's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, notice a little little. Somebody been added to the directorship of one of the bonnet and just seeing what's going on. Lift in there. peeking through the curtain, so there's something's about to pop. Wow, we could do, we could do, we'll do be able to do transfer window news when we get back as well. We can do some transfer. Yeah, Rooney. Do you know oh. what? Maybe we could do our own transfer stuff because I'm sure there'll be some people that you're bringing in. Oh yeah, maybe oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. That's know, really like, good. Yeah, we'll we'll talk really about the new the new big signings of the year. Yeah. What's been going on? What the team is going to look like? That's great. Yeah, I like that analogy. Um, wicked. Well, look. 
Yeah, this is the end of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope, uh, you, hope you've enjoyed it. Like, share, review. Peace. Yes, people. Thanks for blessing us with your ears. Tell us what you think. Keep us in the loop. We'd love to get your stories, questions, and any topics you want us to discuss. Make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.